You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Winning Time, the show that's liked by everybody except anyone who's being represented in it. <laughs> what a shocker! You know, if Jack, I know, if Jack right? Yo were alive, she would have hated the shit out of Natalie Portman. But anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, hey, everybody, we're gonna t- I'm, we're just gonna start with that a little bit, but we're gonna talk about Winning Time, the uh, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. This is a new HBO show covering the Showtime period of the LA Lakers. You know, biggest. M- their first most successful streak until Shaq and Kobe came in and dominated the scene after that. Mm-hmm. But this is the Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar era that was adapted to a TV show from a really great book, apparently, by Adam McKay, who, you know, I've mentioned how I'm back and forth on Adam McKay, but the good news here, he didn't write this show. Someone else did. He's just directing it and producing yeah. it. Well, great so. news for you, Justin. Uh, that, that saves it. I, that <laughs> saves it a lot. <laughs> I'm so glad Frank's on here with me to support that opinion. Yes. Hey, Frank, how you doing? Hey, and the only person I hate more than Adam McKay is Ryan Murphy. How are you? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if hate is a word I would use for that, but I know no, hate, someone... hate, hate, hate. Yeah, not, hate's strong. That's Frank why I hates used it. Ryan Murphy as much as he loves Michelle Pfeiffer. We all know this, and it's kind of what we love about you, Frank. Well, and somebody who actually really does like Adam McKay a lot is Melina. I do like Adam McKay. I love every. I, well, no, let me take that back right away. Yeah, uh, I am. <laughs> Step Brothers is a masterpiece, Melina. I'm actually mostly I'm okay with most of his work, um, but yeah, there's only one thing that I can think of that I absolutely despise. And at the risk of like pissing fifty percent of the listeners off, uh, yeah, Step Brothers is a gargantuan piece of shit. Oh no, not not a Richard <laughs> Jenkins movie. Richard Jenkins is my favorite. <laughs> we love Richard Jenkins. We love Richard Jenkins. Was never Jenkins. in that movie. Never. Mm-mm. And who was that bringing up the unfortunate memory that Richard Jenkins was in that? That's Brad. <laughs> Hello. I, I hey, think bud. McKay movies are fine. Even Step Brothers, and no, I okay. like the no, I will. I will just kind of pause to say that Bradley was like singing the praises of "Don't Look Up" the other night. Yeah, on I thought it was hilarious. I, I watched it twice. Oh my god! Well, geez, I mean, God, Adam. Sorry, my, Adam McKay. My mother, my <laughs> mother-in-law, who has incredibly refined taste, hated that movie. So I'm willing to admit I'm wrong. It's a little too. I mean. I could make a joke that'd be kind of offensive. I'm not going to because I'm a gentleman. But why Why did but. he charge for the snacks? It still gets we me. We talk a lot about Adam McKay. So he is the producer and he directed the pilot. But the two main creative forces on here are Max Borenstein and Jim Hirsch, or Hesch. Which Max Borenstein is an interesting case here because in his very crazy writing career, the biggest thing that he's been involved with is the MonsterVerse with Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Godzilla versus Kong. He wrote all of them. He really likes uh, making things about very, very tall characters. Well, I think he likes to, he, I think he likes a paycheck. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he yeah. likes a paycheck. Well, it sounds like this This was a big passion project for him. Yeah. Like, this is the thing that he's really wanted to do, and he finally found the right people to get involved. And, you know, like I said, the, the premise is, like I said, it's just the showtime period of the L.A. Lakers, which covers from 1979 to about, what would you say it ended, Brad? Like, 1986, 87? I think, well, I think it was like, like yeah, well, I'd say towards the end of the 80s. The book covers um, an entire decade, for sure. Well, the show ends in, the, in like, 1980 or 81. Yeah, the season, show's just yeah. the rookie season yeah. of, of um, Magic Johnson. But I think we mm-hmm. should also stress we should, we should also stress that that we start out where the Lakers are just like a nothing team. That yeah. that, w- that was yeah. never a thing. This well, this show well, insists well, okay, it thing, was like, that for, was never a thing. For for the purpose of this okay, series, yeah. they were a nothing I, team. Yeah. I really don't want to make this one of those reviews where we just sit here like kind of nitpicking every single historical and inaccuracy no. because as but every think, as, no, at the beginning we'll be here all of, night if that's the case. Yeah, I was going to say at, yeah. with the beginning of every single one of these episodes, there is a little title card that comes up and says this is a dramatization. This is for the purpose of entertainment. <laughs> Every other True Life show has that nowadays, but I think Sally Field um, puts it right when she says this, she calls the she refers to the team as an albatross, which it kind of like which it's kind of presented to be you know this like this team that nobody believed in didn't have any really like star players yeah. and and whatnot absurd and, oh yeah that's absurd so like we were saying though it follows the major characters of obviously Magic Johnson during his rookie year with the Lakers Jerry Buss who's the guy who buys the team. When he left his real estate work, then you got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jerry West, Pat Riley, all the major players who would form the dream team that made them such a huge hit in the 80s. And as we said, like, there's a huge, huge, huge cast involved in this mm-hmm. show. John C. Riley, Adrian Brody, Jason Clark, Gabby Hoffman, Tracy Letts, Jason Siegel, J- Julian Nicholson. If you just go down the wiki page, there's like, a you know, a couple dozen High caliber actors or like Oscar winners, Emmy winners, known character actors, people you would just Sally you know, Field. I'm amazed. Yeah, Sally, Sally Field. Field. Sally Field. Yeah, it's a shame. Like with the size and caliber of this cast, you know that in a 30 minute review, there's no way that we can possibly talk no. about all of them. Which you know that's such a shame because I think that almost everyone in here is doing an incredible job. They're doing an incredible job, yeah. and they're, I, I find them all to be very interesting. In fact, I, I, I've told a lot of people about this this show that I was going to be reviewing it, and uh, they were like, "Oh, I don't like basketball. I don't. That's not for me." And I was like, th- "I'm like, like, like." There, there's like five <laughs> minutes of basketball in this entire thing, spread it's out fast, across the episodes. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "The, the, the well, this, so, no, let's clarify. The, the, there's there's five minutes of playing. Yeah, exactly. The rest of it is." business yeah but, but, but it really is about the the relationships and it does touch on things like race and gender and you know the dynamics between these people um yeah. and i i found that i found that to, to be to be so intriguing and it, it's so rare that i found uh because this, this is set in a very specific time and place and you know the, the basketball world but i don't think i've really seen a film uh, a film uh, a series that was that just hinged. I, I know there are some, but mm-hmm. I haven't come across many that were just hinged on the relationships and on characters relating to each other. You mentioned Justin that most of this is business and basketball, and if you hear that as a listener and that immediately is a turnoff to you, just I will remind you: it, whether you're an Adam McKay fan or not, like Adam McKay knows how to take something 
very complicated and would normally come across as very dry, he knows how to jazz it up, make it accessible, make it really fun for people to actually, and make it accessible. I'll admit that the first episode had me a little worried. I wasn't quite sold on the series by the end of it because I was like, is this just mm -hmm. going to be frenetic, lots and lots of, like, lots and lots of poppy uh Style, like very over-the-top style choices. Is this going to be just people that are morally dubious and you end up not liking any of them? But by the time the second episode had rolled around, I think that I more or less just kind of got used to that style, that hyper-reality. And I just kind of rolled with it from there. And by the end of it, I was in love with it. I did as well. I loved looking at everybody's... I, the, everyone's so wonderfully flawed and realistically mm -hmm. flawed in, in, a, in a lot of ways. But you, you walk away, at least for my money feeling like you got to know a semblance of every single person like there was there was nobody that i would call any of, any of the uh, the feature players anyways uh you know cardboard or one-dimensional really i felt and i think at the same time there is so much fun to be had here he, he you know mckay and company like throw in so many different um little t you know tricks and techniques like you know the, the they break the fourth wall um you know, there's a lot of like tongue-in-cheek humor, and they'll put up graphics indicating like exactly. future famous people, or Ex yeah. exactly, or yeah. like, like, or like they you do know, cartoons like... and like like cop shows, or they, <laughs> like yeah. They, oh, they put they put that their cartoon that was clearly by Hanna Barbera. They, yes, they put, I they love put that. their name, they, they put their name on the bottom of the of the screen, like when they, when you introduce Paula Abdul as you know the Lakers, the lead Lakers oh, girl. That was it's great. Like, yeah, um, but I want to say, and I love the way this is filmed in that '70s lens. That seventies like gauze, mm -hmm. but I know Bradley brought this up to me on another on another conversation about uh, something about the way this was filmed. You had a question about, it, didn't you? Yeah, I thought it was incredibly weird when they would put on the <laughs> filter of actual documentary footage, but it was all the actors. Yeah, I thought, actual, that, I thought that was weird too. <laughs> not the real people in the moment. It was just here's here's archival footage of. Uh -huh. All the actors recreating the events that we're now showing you. Like, yeah, well, that's the weird thing with the way it's presented, where they're trying to give the idea of, like, tons and tons of found footage from different camera formats, different styles, yeah. different cinematography lensing. And it creates a very incoherent and yet coherent style to the visuals. Fun fact, one of the main cinematographers on it was, I always get this guy's name weird, Mihai... Malamary Jr., the guy who shot The Master, essentially. Oh, so, oh wow. wow. No, I so, can totally see amazing. that. Yeah, and then another guy, Todd uh, <clears throat> uh, Banhalls, but it it looks great for the style they're going but, for. Yeah. That. It's a little distracting at first, but you get used you to it. You do get used to it, time. and I think that it helps to immerse you into that time, which that time, you know, the yeah. late 70s, early 80s, I mean... I find it's, the 80s to be, uh, on the it's whole, a a horrendously up time. ugly decade, but it's just <laughs> such a party. And I'm really glad that, you know, I'm, I like that they had that documentary style without actually making it a documentary. I don't want to see, see old I, footage of the actual Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and no, I don't Magic either. Johnson. I like that this kind of puts you in that world, makes it feel candid, but does not ever devolve into well let's just show as much footage as we can which is going to take the attention away from the actors a lot of the feature players are great especially john c Riley and jason clark and adrian brody who i think are doing some of their best work in a oh, while yeah. oh yeah but the person i wanted to really highlight uh is quincy isaiah playing magic johnson yeah this oh is his gosh. debut performance wow yes. which is 
Yeah. Talk about yeah. winning time. Art imitating life. Bum, bum, bum. Well, oh him my gosh. and Solomon Hughes, who played Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, yeah. Solomon Hughes, who's actually a basketball player before he became an actor. He was so... so Solomon Hughes is so great. As, He's oh amazing. Like, yes. And when you actually, when you yeah, actually these, learn about... These two are both great discoveries. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only yeah. are they dead ringers for the actual guys, but mm-hmm. it's amazing to think of... I actually was watching an interview uh, with Adam McKay where he talked about how un- it was probably the hardest casting uh, call he's ever had in his life. He's like, I don't know how we can get someone to fill the shoes of Magic Johnson in a way that's going to feel authentic. Because Magic Johnson, he's known for that incredibly distinctive smile, that swagger yeah. that he had, you know, just that mm-hmm. that just unbelievable, like just that wide-eyed puppy enthusiasm. But he also has such a distinct style of playing basketball to where you're like, I don't know how we're going to get somebody who can do all those things and also act. And so to discover yeah. these two guys yeah. who not only can act, but also have the look and the ability to mimic these iconic playing styles is incredible. We're talking about John C. Riley, who, by the way, I saw an interview with uh, John C. Riley where he said that, yeah, I couldn't get a job. Like I had no jobs after um, I think he, he did uh, that uh, Stan and Ollie movie, and he also did Holmes and Watson Ooh. the same year. One was a really like, yeah, oh, what a no. one-two punch. Yeah, there. no, one, right. one was really <laughs> one was really acclaimed and got him a lot of awards, and the other mm-hmm. one was just like the, Great the biggest bomb of the year. And mm-hmm. I, yep. he's like, like literally, I was unemployed. I didn't have I didn't have anything lined up um, before this, and that just boggles my mind because I think that. The show wouldn't work without him. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing with, like, John C. Riley and Jason Segel, where they can both be very funny actors in movies that we've seen them in. And yet, I find that both of them actually kind of work better in dramas mm. in a lot yeah. of cases. Like, yeah, they can you be- know, seeing John C. Riley in this and Gangs New York and Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then Jason Segel seeing him in the end of the tour. That's some great, you know, chasers to see this stuff. You're like, oh, they're really good yeah. at doing these kind of characters. And, him, moments, and Adrian, him and Adrian Brody having such a great chemistry together. I really just love watching the two well, of them. Well, one, one person I also want to touch on is Tracy Letts, who comes in as Jack McKinney. Yes. And Jack McKinney, they actually have an episode in here called Who the Fuck is Jack McKinney? And that yeah. was actually because Jack <laughs> McKinney came in after Jerry West pulled out yeah. like a couple of days, like maybe like a week before the season was supposed to start. He was an unknown, but to this day, he is credited for having invented the fast-cut offense, which not only made the game of basketball so much more exciting it made it so much more fun for people to watch it actually got people interested in the game which at that point was kind of was kind of maligned for being slow and predictable he completely changed that but then tragically he was you know just after being hired and getting his first chance at being a head coach he was in a bicycle accident that left him uh, incapacitated and Paul Westhead his assistant and Pat Riley who at the time was just an assistant commentator had to come in and basically save the team and make sure that they got and like try to get them to the playoffs despite the fact that neither of them really had experiences as head coaches before can we talk about that scene though can we talk the about bike that crash? scene that, that bike oh, crash how, that was a great stunt. how great God. that was like executed like it oh, just what yeah. a what a way to end an episode. I mean, he just like he just like slid on the fucking pavement. Oh man! Oh yeah, oh, you feel it. It hurts. There's a lot of great practical effects with that kind of stuff too, I, and a lot of great prosthetic work with all the makeup in here. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say too uh, a couple warnings with that. This is an HBO show, and they definitely wanted to take full advantage of the content there. So if you're coming in watching wanting like a wholesome basketball show. <laughs> 
no. you get everything here. You get wall-to-wall language, a little blood with the stuff like that, and a whole lot of the human body in every shape, size, <laughs> position. But you know what? I think I kind of like that because, I mean, I, as much as oh, basketball yeah. is sort of like, you know, like not – I'm going to say – I can't think of another term but glamorized, but, you know, I mean – held up in such, in, in, in such, such re- regard. Yeah. I, I love that this is like, that, that. I mean, this is like without any makeup on in, in a way. But again, I got to point to the dynamics here. We haven't talked about Gabby Hoffman a lot. Who's fantastic. Who I think, who's fantastic yeah. and is really just like this sort of like a ferocious, you know, beast in the best possible way. I really like the women in this, this show a lot. We haven't talked a lot about Sally Field, who I think, like- who's phenomenal. Um, but I think understanding her the more i saw of her the more i understood um i understood him because i yes. i feel i really she I was like oh well you're a narcissist and that's kind of why he's a narcissist <laughs> okay yeah but this and, but, then, and she I, plays I, his his mother just to clarify his yeah. mother his his, yeah, his teen yeah. mother i was sort of forgiving of, of her later on because when i found out that you know she really was sort of like the fire under him and mm-hmm. i found it very <laughs> touching the night of the first uh game when um the genie character Jerry Buss's daughter goes to her um, her her apartment, and she's like, "What are you doing here? It's not Thursday. We're not playing Monopoly tonight. Like, it's the <laughs> night of the first game. Didn't you remember?" It's like, he doesn't want us there. He doesn't. He does not want us there. He does, he only needs us when he needs us. And then you cut to him at the first game, and he's crushed that she's not there. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, that, which... I found that so touching. And 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 listen, I love a montage. I love a montage. <laughs> and so when uh, that scene with her in the hospital and him finally having to make the decision and and them winning at the same time, that was my jam. That was like candy to me. I know that was that was like montage 101 type stuff, but that yeah. that did it for me. Yeah. Well, so uh, to go down to a few major points before we wrap to final thoughts, uh, I will say if I had to make any kind of complaints at all with the show, because I think most of it is really well done, really well acted, surprisingly well written, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think a, a slight detriment to this show is the hour-long, 10-episode format in the sense that some episodes kind of drag a little bit, where if it's not immediately addressing the major plot points or character development points, there's a few parts here and there where the show can lose a little momentum. Uh, it'll pick it back up very quickly, but then it's just like... I kind of wish this was almost 40 minutes or 50 minutes, but kind of, an yeah, hour I, a piece almost for every episode. Sure. I know yeah, what you yeah. mean. There, there there, were kind of times where it felt like it took them a little while to find their focus with each episode. Like, they had a point. They had an end goal, but they had to get through a bunch of history and a bunch of other details, yeah. too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. There was never a point where it lulled to me, but with the runtime, it did feel like they were trying to put in as many... Uh, uh, chapters of that history as possible. Some of them, you kind of feel like, was this really necessary to bring this in, or were you just kind of trying to put it in there because you felt you had to? The, the, the last major point to bring up before we start wrapping up, too. Okay, we just got to address it that, yes, there is a huge <laughs> backlash from the people involved in the show. Shocker. Uh, so, specifically, I mean, yes, Jerry West, the actual Jerry West, who is still alive and well, was very unhappy with his portrayal here. And uh, here's the thing. On the one hand, it's not the show's responsibility to account for every single little detail because there's a lot of stuff about Jerry West that's, you know, barely scratching the surface of his character even in this one season. And to be fair, Jason Clark is doing probably his best work ever. He's, he's a good job, show, but he's also but he's argue. also like I feel like he was like the weakest character to be honest. With you. He was the one that, well, he was See, I actually he's the one I, I found the least actually. engaging. He's the one he well, he was the one I found the least interesting 
to watch, to be honest with you. Mm. Well, but part of the problem is with that is that they portray Jerry West as a very irritable, very hardcore swearing, very hot-headed guy. And in a way that is what Jerry West could be at times, but apparently... I think it's part of the problem, again, that because we can't delve into every character as mm-hmm. deep or as nuanced as we should, yeah. that we don't get the full picture. And that's why his family's so upset that they're apparently suing HBO <laughs> to try and re- get a retraction. There, there's no but, arc. Which, there's no arc for him in, the, in this, as far as the series is concerned. The problem is his arc got resolved very early in the season. Yeah. Like, like his episode yeah. was really good, but then he's kind of just there. Being the angry, every last game, I was just like, "Oh my god, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna have an aneurysm. You need to calm down." <laughs> like to rebut that, you've got a character, you've got a character in here, Norm Nixon, who is actually played by his real life son, Devon Nixon, who That's has right. said, oh, "Yes, no, I know that this is not exactly who my dad is. It's not exactly what he was like at the time. I know that, but." This is a dr- this is a drama uh, or dramatization. This is fiction. Yeah, we know that we have to cater to what people actually want to see narratively. So basically, what we're saying is Jerry West, with all due respect, suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, apparently Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did put a blog post up after seeing some parts of it, and the only one like he did dispute a bunch of scenes. The only one that I could kind of see as maybe making a point was that. He really took exception to the scene where they showed him filming the scene from Airplane. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> oh, right, I, yeah. I can only agree with that is that it paints him very much in a negative light for a big chunk of the show. And it takes until his episode to make you, yeah. People allegedly that. witnessed him treat fans like that. Sure, sure, to be fair. I can see yeah. him having like that that weight on him of being a black man that he, he still, he, he understood what it meant to be a black man even in late 70s, early 80s America, which was... Uh, I think I think that the um, the scene with Rob Morgan, um, who plays mm-hmm. Irvin Johnson Sr., who is great every scene he shows up. He's amazing. Who's great for who's not in enough? It's Turk from Daredevil. He's awesome. Their, their, their conversation <laughs> together. He really took what his status seriously, and he there was a lot of reconciling mm-hmm. that I'm sure he had to do as a black man of prominence and still being aware that he was a black man. And what that yeah. meant, good and bad, in that time. So why don't we start winding down the final thoughts then? Because I know we could keep going on about the show. There's so much packed into every yeah. episode. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm just going to say that I really, really enjoyed a lot of this show. And I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And I was very excited from the trailers. Yeah, you, you, you posted this on, on our channel, our suggestion channel. I, yeah. This review happened because of yes. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's the Jerry bus of this review. <laughs> Yeah, you are. <laughs> hey guys, come on, we're gonna have a big party over here. Doctor Justin, <laughs> Doctor Justin, Doctor Zarian. There we go. Doctor Z. Doctor Z. Doctor Z. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, like I really, really enjoyed a lot of this. I I did get to the point where I started to get a little fatigued with the show because of the length. Uh, in terms of like, if you watch this, like, okay, if you watch it week to week, it's probably tolerable. But I did watch this in a binge for a huge chunk of the latter it's part. It's a lot. And once you get to the point when it's like, okay, now it's going to the basketball game, like every sports thing, you kind of know where it's going. So you're just like, all right, let's just, let's kind of get going with that. But it's still really well done all the way through. And so that's my only major complaint. And that only got exacerbated because I tried to watch this with my wife. (laughs) And when you say that people might be turned off by the idea of watching a basketball show like this, she made it to only episode four. She just didn't want to watch anymore with me after that. Wow. Okay. Uh, so some people, this will not be their jam. 
But I'm glad there is an audience because this apparently increased its viewership by 73% between the first episode and the last episode. So it is yeah. getting recognition. Yeah, and it is getting a second really season. Bad. Yeah, season two is coming soon. Yeah, and renewed yeah. for a second season. It's got Which nine I'm... years left in the book. Yeah, exactly. It's going to like... <laughs> yeah, getting to the end of this, I was like... Nine seasons in a movie. Yeah, Woo! which, you know, getting to the end of the season, I was kind of scared about that. I was like, God, there's so much more of the story that needs to be told. And then right then is when they announced that they were going to be renewing it. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. So the four of us, yeah, a year right. from now, we're going to be doing this again. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you're gonna have to come back for this one. <laughs> like, yes. You're under contract. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I am not. But anyway, uh, I I am going to give this eight point five out of ten. Very uncomfortable scenes at a Mexican restaurant. Oh. oh to say the least. I hated that scene so much. That was the part uh, when that joke about it's not porn, it's HBO came up in my head. Cause porn, it's HBO. Oh goodness. <laughs> Have you never seen that skit? It's hilarious. You got to check that out. That's, that's hilarious. I hate Adam McKay. I really do not like Adam McKay. And to quote King of the Hill, hate's a strong word. That's why I used it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think Adam McKay's big problem has always been that he chooses subjects that are too close to home, too current, too right now, that to laugh at them is just like it, it, you, I mean you're laughing at tragedy he always suffers from a lack of distance between his subjects and I think here there is so much distance that I think to look to go back and revisit it's really interesting it makes for compelling television character driven television which I'm always in favor of that's not yes it's set in the world of basketball and a very very famous team a very beloved team but um, uh, you know it is really about the people behind it and and how it meant so much to each one of them, and something different to each one of them. Uh, and I, and I, by the uh, on the flip side, I think that is the only downfall I have with it is that there were maybe too much characters. That you know, each episode, no matter how many scenes a person had, it felt like for me, it felt like it was never enough because I felt like every character was there with a purpose and had a purpose. And I, it's the age-old story of you wanting more. It's great all the way around. Performances you know the the production value the montage i love my montage as i said before <laughs> i do and there's a lot of i do, i love them baby <laughs> i love them to death so yeah uh i gotta give this i'm kind of giving that a mckay this kind of a rating nine out of ten nights you just spend at somebody else's backyard because they're not home and they won't find out <laughs> <laughs> well i know maybe a bit too much about the Lakers history to really enjoy this as much as you guys did. I think this does a terrible job at making them out to be the underdogs. Like they'll be like, oh, the Lakers, do they have what it takes to get to the playoffs? I mean, they're number one in the division now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring? Like, what, why have a scene like that? that? That stuff does happen in basketball. It's not unheard of to see that happen. Mm-hmm. I know? suppose. But I think th- you only and know them. You don't. You only know. You you don't know them as underdogs. You've never known them as underdogs. So I think as well. Yeah, which was kind of which was what was so surprising about this is like it's just the idea of them not being the number one team in the world. You're like, when was this a thing? And the show's yeah. like, well, let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. Mm, eh, eh. And Ma- Magic Johnson was the best college player in the world, period. And to have those sequences like, but can he play on an NBA team? Yeah, that's why he okay, got the sure. most yeah. money out of any other college draft. 
until Larry Bird. I love the Larry Bird <laughs> dynamic. I love the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Magic Johnson dynamic. Mm. Mm. Uh, yes. Because yes. the hug, the hug, and don't <gasps> hug me ever again. No, I'm going to give you 81 more. That is a real-life conversation <laughs> that happened. Selling that was huge for me because I love that. I love that his parents, the Johnsons, they were great. Mm. Words that were actually told to Irvin Johnson by his dad make it into this series, and that's so heartwarming to me. Um, a player having a coke addiction so tame the the situation was 80 percent of the population of los angeles in the 80s was on cocaine but this player (laughs) this character spencer haywood had a cocaine addiction and they had they had a way to show what that is like cocaine was his life and they just kind of wuss away from that and i don't know why Again, maybe this is me wanting too much out of things that aren't that important or rather that they didn't want to dwell on because drug addict movies are their own thing. So no, maybe don't, don't worry, Bradley. Why. Just wait till my first lady review. Like, And then the team, <laughs> like, can, can we have a coke addict on our team? Half the locker room was doing coke with him. What kind of silly revisionist history is this? I do think the basketball sequences we do get are pretty cinematic and fun. And even though they're like, oh, my gosh, can this struggling Philadelphia team that is drowning in the run and gun (laughs) style of the Lakers possibly pull ahead? And I already know the answer. So that was a bummer for me. I really wish I could have watched this without knowing anything. But I also did enjoy this and I am excited for season two. So I'm going to give this eight out of 10 seconds left before the buzzer. I hope Magic Johnson can find the open man. Yeah. (laughs) Can we say I, I would have loved to see more exploration between the uh, the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson dynamic, but then oh, that's par for the course for next season. Way way more yeah. over stuff than it yeah. was, than it was already. Well, Larry Bird was only cruel, mean, and a horrible trash talker on the court. Mm. Yeah. Off the court, he was very soft spoken and civil. That's the thing in the show. He's that's his defining characteristic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got that's the his one only character. Of, yeah. I'm an yeah. angry dude from the south. Yeah. But yeah. I do, yeah. I do like what they do with him to where he becomes like this manifestation of Magic Johnson's insecurity. To where he's kind of like that little devil on his shoulder, being like, "Hey, by the way, you can't fucking do it." I was like, "That was kind of." I like that. I love the. I like that. This was a rivalry between two characters that didn't have much screen time together. It was yeah. it was rivalry all I mean for the most part playing out in their heads. Okay, well I've been talking through this whole thing, so I'll keep my final uh, thoughts on this one short. I had an absolute blast watching this show, which I didn't think I was going to. I thought at the, at the most I'm probably going to really enjoy this, and at the worst I'll just kind of have to power through. But man, I was hooked through like <laughs> hook shot. Get it? <laughs> um, it's late. <laughs> um, it's late. Air hook. Uh, an, but... an air hook, right? Air hook. <laughs> Like I said, it's very late. Uh, but no, I, I really had such a great time with this. I couldn't, I uh, got to the point where I was at the eighth episode and the, the last two had not aired yet. And I was like, oh my God, I am like just chomping at the bit for these to come out. And now that it's over, I am chomping at the bit for the second season. I am so excited to see more of how the story unfolds. And one thing I didn't really expect from this was that it made me want to go and watch basketball again. Because I love basketball. I, I've yeah. played it, but I don't I don't watch it. And this kind of made me want to again. I was like, this is so much fun. Whoever the set designer and costume designer on this were, mm. I think that it's like a Cohen Brothers oh, yeah, level yeah. of authenticity. And it's so 
horribly accurate. Like, it's beautifully horrible, <laughs> just like the 80s are. Oh, God, it's like the orangest decade. Yes. Sally, um, Sally Field's apartment yeah. is the oh. tackiest place in the, in the oh, world. But it is so real, and you're like, yes. This thing is so 80s, it sweats cocaine. Um, but yeah, so I am going to, <laughs> I am going to give this, uh, I'm going to give this a very enthusiastic eight and a half out of ten co-pilots who are definitely not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two things before we go to uh, one, I love how they did a very authentic and totally real depiction of Boston in that one episode. Oh uh, man, yeah. <laughs> everything there checked out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, not nothing rings false here. Yep, and two, it's always weird when you see, like, I mean, obviously everyone here is playing a real person in some capacity. Mm -hmm. It's even weirder to see the cameos of real people, like uh, freaking Mike Epps showing up as Richard Pryor mm -hmm. in that yeah. one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the one that made me cringe the most, though, it's like, oh, hey, who's this person? Oh, it's Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. At, at, the, at the premiere, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. I think my favorite was Iman, where they put that little caption up, Iman? future Mrs. Bowie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Paul Abdul is kind of cool to see. So. Oh, that yeah. was that was, that my, was my favorite. favorite I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I did not know that. I did not know that. She was the first Laker girl. <laughs> 